the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode number 98. You're listening to the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast. I have some great stuff to talk about. GSM versus CDMA. Also known as A2DP. The iPhone is here. Singular is going to be transitioning back over to AT&T. Mickey Papillon is a cell phone junkie. Both Singular and Verizon. I switched to a BlackBerry. All right. Here we go. And hello and welcome to the Cell Phone Junkie episode number 98. We've got some changes to tell you about from Verizon Wireless. The iPhone coming in the next 60 days. We'll chat about that. And lots of questions and comments from you, the listeners of the show. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. And Joey, it is, like I said in the beginning, show number 98, which means show number 100 is just two short weeks away. And uh, we've got some great stuff lined up for it. We're not going to let the cat out of the bag because you're going to have to listen in and figure out what we're talking about when we uh, get to that show. But if you want to be involved in show number 100, just uh, give us a call to 206-203-3734 and leave your comments and we'll incorporate them uh, into the 100th episode of it. I can't tell you how we're going to do it yet, but uh, it's going to be fun. So make sure you, uh, if you want to just give us a congratulatory uh, comment or just call and say, how's it going, guys? Make sure you do that, 206-203-3734. And we've got another way that you can get in touch with us that uh, has just been implemented. If you're someone who may not have a lot of uh, wireless minutes or not have free uh, long distance with your plan or what have you, uh, if you head over to thecellphonejunkie.com now, there is uh, on the right side underneath the, underneath the archive section, uh, there's a web button on there that says call me. And what you'll do is you'll click on that button and it'll flip over this little picture and it will say enter your name and enter your phone number. And then you click call me. And what it does is it will connect uh, to whatever phone that you enter in there to the voicemail line that we have. And by doing so, you can then leave a message that we'll get and be able to use on the show here. The great thing about this is, of course, if you don't have long distance and you don't have access to calling a 206 area code, this will call you so it can do everything for you. Um, or if you want to have it done on a landline, but you don't want to make that that uh, long distance call or whatever it is that you want to do, uh, you can easily do it there. It'll connect you directly into our voicemail system. So a pretty neat function from Grand Central, and uh, we certainly appreciate that. So check it out if you're interested. And uh, last, have we mentioned Twitter? I've got over 80 people that are following the twitter.com slash GT2697 feed now. And this is actually my personal feed, but of course, it, it talks quite a bit about the cell phone junkie and everything that is going on with the show. So if you are wanting to follow that, make sure you subscribe to that and uh, check out twitter.com to find out more information about it. So, Joey, let's start off the news here by uh, talking about a story that the thecellphonejunkie.com broke, actually, this afternoon. And that was the fact that Verizon is going to have some changes coming out this Tuesday, April 15th. Um, I got word this weekend that Verizon is going to uh, apparently change uh, their policy, where the activation fee is now going to be refunded only if you return your phone within three days after signing up for their service. However, if you uh, want to port 
port your number out after trying them out, you still have the the 30 days like you did before. Um, Also with this, if uh, you exchange your phone during the first 30-day trial period that they have, apparently there's going to be a $20 exchange fee per device that you return to them. And it looks like I guess they're probably trying to keep people from kind of doing what I did, Joey, when I first signed up with AT&T and switching out four different phones. And now they have all these old uh, non-new phones to use. So uh, some interesting things there that that just kind of came up, and we should see those coming up on this this upcoming Tuesday. There is good news, though. I guess if you are someone that is hearing impaired, um, or, or excuse me, know someone who's hearing impaired, uh, you would be able to uh, now get unlimited text and data only plans. They're going to have no voice minutes on them. Those are expected to drop uh, this coming Tuesday as well. Uh, next thing that we found from Verizon was that they are announcing a new smartphone data plan and pricing. And like uh, the other carriers out there, such as AT&T, uh, they are dropping the uh, data and email, excuse me, personal email only price down to $30 for the data. So this is a change from their, their older $40. Keep in mind that no corporate exchange access is going to be allowed under this specific provisioning. And uh, so, but if you're someone who just uses like your G, Gmail or Yahoo or whatever kind of email, it's going to be okay, I think. But uh, what do you think, Joey? I want to know how they can restrict the Outlook Web Access uh, portal um, and, and keep the the Exchange Server ActiveSync uh, not accessible. Uh, short of doing packet filtering, yeah, um, uh, doing advanced uh, packet filtering, I, I don't know how they could restrict that because. Um, it uses a standard 443 port uh, or the standard port 80 um, uh, for your, you know, to make that email connection. So I- I'm really curious if, in fact, they they block your corporate email or if they're just not providing that service or something. I, it, I looked at the PDF and it, it's a little ambiguous in what it says. Um, and, and then I, I, I just don't understand how they technically can do it. Well, maybe this is going to be for for personal accounts only. So, for example, if you're on a business plan, maybe that's where it's going to be restricted through. Um, because that's a good point. How how are they going to do it? But we'll find out starting tomorrow, uh, the 14th, is when they're going to start uh, allowing this feature to be active on plan. So if you're someone who uses a Verizon phone and uses the data function for non-business use, you may want to check this out. Save yourself 10 bucks a month. Uh, so pretty good deal. Uh, let's see. Move on to some BlackBerry news here. You know, the Blackberries are just, they're getting such such a, a bad reputation here over these past few weeks, Joey. This past Friday, uh, they again uh, had the BlackBerry Internet service uh, access go down, which included email and uh, the Internet portion of it as well. It started about 9 o'clock in the morning for many users, and uh, this was on AT&T and Verizon specifically, and then people chimed in and said it's happening on T-Mobile as well. And I was in some... Actually, this was Thursday, uh, excuse me, April 10th, and... Uh, I was with some people who had the uh, who had were using Blackberries that day, and can tell you firsthand that they were not receiving their emails. And I happened to be using my Trio that day, so I was happy that I had made that choice the morning when I walked out with my SIM card and that, because otherwise I would have been out of luck with my email as well. So um, another another kind of blow to the the reputation of of, of the reliability of the Blackberry. So uh, interesting, nonetheless, to report on that. 
Uh, over in Japan, Docomo has been one of the, the largest providers in, in all of Japan for many, many years here. And for the first time, uh, they dropped below the 50% uh, mark as far as the number of subscribers uh, in the country that were on their service. They went from 50.2% in February to March, reporting 49.7% of Japan's total mobile phone population was, was using their service. Granted, if uh, you take a look at the United States and the number of subscribers that we have here, it's in excess of, I believe, 250 million. And someone like a an AT and T has about seventy million of those people. So we're talking, you know, much less than fifty um, percent. Actually, closer to a, a third of the people are uh, are using the service, uh, and uh, with with one of our particular carriers. So it's a lot more spread out here than it is overseas. But uh, interesting nonetheless. Joey, you brought this story to us here that uh, that kind of shows that they're. Um, they're still adding users. They signed up 173,000 new subscribers in March alone, um, but that's only a third of SoftBank's, uh, which I guess is another provider over there, 543,000 new subscribers, and KDDI had just over half a million as well. So um, Docomo is, is, is slipping a little bit. Nonetheless, they're, they're still quite a big carrier, so I think they're doing all right. Yeah, you know, Japan is kind of an interesting market, and with with the technology that usually comes out in in that market, I'm sure uh, you know some newer, uh, more agile companies have been able to you know kind of sneak in, because um, I know DoCoMo has been you know the 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 big player for a really long time, and you know how uh, when you've got a very big company that kind of slows down in the responsiveness to the market, so that that would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Well, moving from that to to what we're seeing here in the U.S., you know, there's been a lot of talk recently, Joey, about the carriers and their "quote unquote" openness of their networks. And so, the next story that I wanted to discuss was the fact that the, the carriers themselves are still keeping a pretty tight handle on what they're doing with their networks. And um, you know, they we're going to take Verizon Wireless for an example. They announced that they are obviously launching this program that's going to allow any device be used on its network that they certify. Um, now, that being said, I think for the most part, their devices are, are not actually, quote-unquote, locked. So they just have the, um, what is it, the MSN number? Is that the, the, the specific code to that device? That you can yeah, get. Yeah, it, it's, like, it's like the MSL, but they don't or MSL use code. that. Yeah, and Verizon, they're always just uh, six zeros. Okay. Uh, where Sprint, they are customized to each phone. Right. So, uh, yeah, I guess what I was trying to say with this one is that you have this MSL code that's that's tied to the phone on a CDMA phone, and if it's six zeros, you could simply take it to any other carrier and and be able to use it. Now, if if you take it on the flip side, if you've got another CDMA phone, um, like a Sprint model, you have to go to them, and I believe they, they use it with your... Um, your ESN number, right? They get, they get your ESN number and via that they generate the code that then is allowed um, by the other carrier to put that phone on their network. 
And eventually, um, they're going to allow for any other devices, whether it's anything from a Virgin mobile phone to a Sprint or an Altel phone or whatever you want, to come and be used on their network. And I and um, it, it's it's great. Um, it's a it's definitely a step in the direction for opening the uh, the, the the different networks up to the providers uh, or for the for the providers of other devices to be used there. So, um, but nonetheless, it's still um, they're they're still kind of keeping their cards close to the vest, so to speak, because they're not, um, you know, there, there's not a whole lot that's come out there. It's not a quick moving train at, at the least. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Not sure. Nothing. All right. <laughs> nothing, well, anyway, nothing on that one. Uh, okay, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a lot more of uh, a lot more to think about with this one and in, moving into the future, because the majority of the people who want to have a device move from one carrier to another are currently using GSM phones and, and they, they know what they need to do to make it happen. And with, with the CDMA site, it just traditionally has not been something that people have, have, have looked at doing. So um, it's, it, it's going to take a while t- to take the strides to get there. But uh, at this point, we don't, I guess, none of us have a lot of information on it. I guess Google is going to change things up here with what they got with their 700 megahertz spectrum so it Mm. that may uh cause a shift that's true that's true they they certainly could because um there's there's going to be such a a push by all these external players whether it's google or whether it's um you know at&t because they didn't get the block but they want to have access to it to use it they're gonna you know put different pressures on verizon to to make them do so um, but anyway, uh, like, like I was saying, nonetheless, they're not quite as open as, uh, yet as they're going to be. And I know I had a question this week uh, from somebody who I was uh, going back and forth with about when they're going to be able to bring a phone over to, a Veri- to Verizon. And I'm thinking probably later in the year. Um, I, I think that's probably what we're going to see with that. It's, it's definitely not going to be in the next couple of months because, again, they still need to certify devices. And so it's not going to be every device that you want to. It's going to be the ones initially that that they've taken a look at. And if you want to bring something, I guess they're going to have to have said, yes, it's okay. And uh, so we'll get there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Let's start talking a little bit about the iPhone here this week. Walt Mossberg, shortly after we we, uh, posted the last Cell Phone Junkie show, came out uh, in a video that he was making a presentation to, I think it was at the Finnish Embassy of all places, and he was talking about the majority uh, of his his speech was about broadband and how broadband here in the U.S. is not really what other people in the country or in, in the rest of the world consider uh, real broadband. And so in the middle of this whole thing, he, he starts talking about 3G-compatible phones, and then he says, you know, how great the iPhone has been, and then just promptly said, well, and it's not even going to be a big deal for that phone anymore because you're going to see a 3G-capable iPhone in the next 60 days, and then just kept talking. And it was like no big deal, like it was just, you know, common knowledge that everyone, you know, said, okay, uh, that's not what we had any idea what was going to happen, Walt, where are you getting your information? And every blog on the on the internet that talks about cell phones, specifically uh, iPhones, just went crazy with this thing. And they basically uh, said, you know, okay, Walt must have the inside information. And, and so this is, you know, he's always very, very good with what he announces. And so two days later, not sure how that one happened, how he didn't catch all this stuff on Monday, he comes out and says, you know what, I just, you know, 
just making a comment about how the 3G iPhone will be coming out eventually. And, and 60 days is uh, nothing specific. I have no information on it. And uh, in fact, quote, he said, if I knew when the date was, why would I announce it in the middle of a sentence at the Finnish embassy rather than report it in the Wall Street Journal? Which, of course, is a very good point. And, and um, so everyone kind of went about their way on that one. But it was uh, at the time, a, a lot of people were, were kind of up in arms and a little excited about the fact that Walt may have had information about an early June release of a 3G iPhone. But nonetheless, it was just an off-the-cuff comment and nothing specific there. But there was uh, from the uh, Blarg Kaboom uh, source is where, where this came from. I'm reading it from the Mobility Today website. A, um, a piece of information that was pulled from uh, the, the specs on what's going to uh, come out in the, the next generation of the iPhone. And that is a, a piece of code saying that the new firmware uh, mentioning the S-Gold 3, which is similar to the Infineon S-Gold 3H chip, which is the latest type of 3G chip that is running the HSDPA uh, international standard up to 7.2 megabits per second. So a, a great uh, find by whoever was digging through this code to find this here, because it does indeed show, hopefully, that this is going to be the chip that will be used with this particular uh, build of the next iPhone. Uh, nothing more specific than that, other than uh, it looks like it's going to be a good uh, a good chip for moving into the future. Uh, obviously, we don't have the 7.2 megabit networks here yet, but it's uh, will in in eventually get to that point, and so the iPhone will be able to support that moving forward. And then the iPhone uh, pricing got leaked on TG Daily, and this came uh, from a knowledgeable industry sources about the upcoming 3G iPhone. And according to these sources, it will indeed be introduced at Apple's WWDC conference in June, and it will be uh, retailing at the same price points in a 3G model for an 8 gigabyte at 399, 16 gigabyte at 499. And then some speculation about the 32 gig model coming in at 599. Unconfirmed, of course, maybe a little bit closer to what we're going to actually see. Maybe, <laughs> but you never know. It's still uh, speculation. It is. I don't think they're going to charge anymore for a 3G iPhone because I think uh, basically immediately the old model will be phased out. Um, and it may be at a lower price for the, the older model, but I don't think they're going to do any price increase. Because um, to, to me, that doesn't make any sense because really you're not gaining anything as far as uh, major functionality. It's just a little faster on the wireless networks. Um, what I would be curious about is if they're going to change the uh, data pricing as well because it's not going to be edge now. Um, and then also I, I, I read a few other places that it, it sounds like they're not going to be pushing a 32 gig model. Um, mm, so I'm, okay. I'm, and I'm kind of surprised to see that in there. So I, I have a hard time believing they wouldn't, um, that the touches out in 32 gigs, which is essentially the same, you know, just flash memory. the same thing. I read that they, that the, the, the extra chips take up too much room with the radios, ah. um, which was one theory. And another theory is that they want to keep, uh, the touch, uh, with an advantage, uh, as far as the memory goes, so they sell a few more of those, I think. But mm -hmm. they're they're pretty. Uh, those are pretty. You know, they're, they're they're a big guess, I think. Oh, there there's there's nothing else other than that. But it's kind of fun. I, I like talking about it because you know, as we kind of go along. I mean, you know, I remember talking about it. It was almost two years ago when when the first story comes out. 
that there's going to be an Apple phone. And no one had any idea what that was going to be, but it was, you know, it's just been such a, a highly talked about device that that's why we keep week after week talking about it, because eventually it is going to come out and it'll be really fun to kind of look back and say, wow, we were either really, really close to what actually was going to happen. And, and they, you know, there was a lot more information leaked on, on this newer version than in the past, or we're going to go, holy cow, we were not even close. <laughs> so anyway, I just like talking about it. But uh, anyway, another another feature that has kind of come out here, and um, and I think a lot of people are happy about it, is that in the newer firmware version 2.0, there have been shots of a search menu that's been integrated into the contacts. If you're familiar with the iPhone, if you go to the contacts tab under the phone, you don't have a way to search for a contact. You have to go uh, down this list on the right side of the screen and touch on the letter of the the last name of the person that you want to talk to. And so it's been uh, inconvenient, to say the least, I think, for some people when trying to manage uh, an address book of, you know, hundreds or in some people's cases, thousands. And a search function is definitely going to be needed, especially for the folks who are going to use this for more of a business type function. So it's good to see that this uh, mystery has kind of been um, unveiled, that it is uh, indeed a search box similar to what you have when you go into the Safari app and you can tap on it and type in a name and uh, I guess hit go or enter or whatever it is. And then it's going to search through your contacts and pull up the people that closely uh, match what you've just entered in. So uh, we'll see uh, when that finally comes out, the exact functionality of it, but it does look like contacts and uh, are going to be searchable. And also, I, I, I failed to mention this too, it looks like meeting invite was also revealed in this story here, which um, is positive because it shows that you're going to be able to uh, click on the accept or decline functionality of it. And a, a lot of people are, are going to like that too. Yeah, I think that's a, a function you have to have with the Exchange Server Active Sync. Because um, I know my Palm, I was actually unsure if my Palm would do that as well because I didn't think, um, you know, since it's such a, a completely different system than Microsoft uh, and uh, the Windows Mobile, that I would not have that ability to accept a meeting request. Uh, and I can. Um, it shows me the other users uh, or the other, you know, the other in- invitees of the meeting, but I can't create meeting requests with other users. I'm curious if this will allow that. Hmm. That's a, that's very interesting. Um, you're, you're right. It's, it's such a specific, you know, integrated function of how it's going to work. So I don't know. Well, uh, that'll yet to be seen. We talked last week a little bit about Air France and, uh, forging ahead with in-flight calling. Uh, now the European Commission has given its approval for in-flight calling over Europe. This is six months of deliberation, and a decision was finally made to uh, allow guests um, of aircraft to make calls once the plane has reached 3,000 meters, or about 10,000 feet, which, if you've flown any time in the recent 20 years, you know that's when you can start using any sort of electronic device. Um, it looks like at this point, the... Um, uh, the, the the EU telecom commissioner uh, has warned operators to keep the cost of calls made on planes to a reasonable level, um, but nothing is nothing is real clear yet on that one. So we will see with that one. But if you're in Europe and you're listening to this show and you want to know or you've got uh, firsthand knowledge of being able to make calls, we'd love to hear about your experience from it uh, because it's not something that we can do here yet in the States and probably won't be for a while. 
However, the uh, FCC has passed uh, a measure that is going to uh, approve emergency text message alerts to go out to wireless subscribers here in the United States. And under this plan, the FCC is appointing um, a federal agency to create messages and pass them on to cell phone companies that choose to participate uh, in this initiative. And uh, once the uh, the specific providers have signed on with this, they will then pass through uh, the messages that will come out uh, to their subscribers. Um, the the extent of these alerts come down to three different types of events that could happen, including a disaster that could jeopardize the health or safety of Americans, such as a terrorist attack. Um, and these would also trigger a national alert from the president uh, of the United States. Uh, the second one is imminent or ongoing threats, such as hurricanes, tornadoes, or earthquakes. And the third is uh, child abductions or Amber Alerts. And uh, if you're familiar with Amber Alerts, you know you can go um, to uh, certain websites and sign up to get these these specific alerts for your, uh, your area. You can sign up via a zip code, and it will then send you alerts. Uh, T-Mobile, Verizon, Sprint, and AT&T have all stated that they will likely opt into the alert system. So if you're on one of the major carriers, you should be good to go with that. And uh, the agency that we talked about there at the beginning has yet to be appointed, um, but they would be the ones that would be creating these messages and uh, getting them out, which I think is great because with a a nation of of over 250 million wireless subscribers, this could definitely reach out to the majority of people um, on a a very easy basis. Kind of like, Joey, what I consider like the old, uh, you know, emergency alert system on the TV, but that it seems a little antiquated at this point because there's just so much faster, or such faster ways to get information out than this, you know? Yeah, there really is. And, and back when the emergency alert system, you know, really came into play was uh, most people were listening to the radio or watching the TV on just, you know, a handful of channels. But today people are sitting in front of their computer, they're watching cable channels, they're watching YouTube, they're watching their TiVo. They're not watching live TV anymore um, and, and not listening to the radio. I mean, who listens to that? Um, uh, I know Sirius is uh, working on a way to get these emergency alerts out on one of their channels as well, but you have to be listening to that particular channel. Um, but yeah, th- th- now everybody has these this mobile technology with them, ready to go at all times. Um, I know a lot of municipalities, they have reverse 911 systems where they'll call households and alert them of, of you know, things that are going on or emergencies that are happening. But uh, with the decreasing number of people having home phones, that system is even becoming less and less um, uh, effective. So I think uh, this is a good initiative, and um, I, I think we will probably see these uh, pretty shortly. Mm-hmm. And as a subscriber, you will be able to opt out from receiving the messages. And uh, so you're, you're not necessarily going to have to receive these text messages from the government telling you what's going on. Um, in my opinion, it behooves you to to get them because it's going to give you you know notification of something that's happening that you may not have known about um, otherwise. So uh, not uh, not real solid information either on the cost of the messages. My guess is that because it's a government initiative, they're going to just pass them through to the the subscribers without cost. Um, but then at the same time, you never know. I, I look at this as kind of like a, a carrier-specific message, like one that comes through that says, you know, you can go on and uh, check your balance or your balances, whatever. It, I kind of think it's going to be similar to that. But again, yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they would charge for that because I don't think there is going to be that many messages. I, I would 
think out of all those, the Ambler, Amber Alerts would be the most frequent because, I mean, how many times have you heard the emergency alert system? Yeah, um, very rare. You yeah. know, the, the Amber Alerts are good, and, and I encourage anyone to sign up for them, and I believe it's emergencyemail.org is the website that you can you can go to do that. My problem with it, and the reason I unsubscribed from it, was because they are 24-7 emails or text messages, which if you're someone like me who sleeps with your phone plugged in next to your bed, a 4 a.m. email letting you know that someone has been abducted is good to know because uh, it's great that, that it's, they're getting the information out, but a little annoying when you're woken up to have it done. So you can, I switched mine over to a, um, uh, an email-based um, alert, so I don't actually get the notification, but uh, immediately. But I do get it uh, via email. So anyway, uh, just something interesting. Um, if you're interested in uh, in getting on what's available right now, um, did you, I don't know? Did you find that, Joey? Is it emergencyemail.org? I don't know. You don't know. Okay. <laughs> All don't right. Well, know. let's move on. Uh, let's talk about uh, the the California uh, cell phone uh, prohibition while driving and. This is a very uh, interesting study that, that came out, and it found that 44% of the people did not know that legislation was going into effect, and 72% did not have strong familiarity with what the ban encompasses. So if you are a resident of the this, this state of California, here's what you can expect. Starting July 1st, 2008, California drivers will be prohibited from holding cell phones to their head while on the road. Those wanting to make a call while driving must use a hands-free device, such as a headset or a speakerphone. Drivers under the age of 18 cannot use cell phones while driving at all, even if used in conjunction with hands-free devices. And failure, failure to comply with these laws uh, is, a pr- is a primary offense punishable with a $20 fine for the first offense and $50 for all subsequent offenses. So, uh, that being said, if you are someone in the state of California, start doing your research and find yourself a good Bluetooth headset, especially if you're someone who makes a lot of calls um, from your car, or at least make sure that your phone has a speakerphone on it so that you are not caught with this problem. Because um, if I uh, am thinking uh, of uh, anything that uh, else that California does, this is going to be very heavily enforced when it first comes out, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be getting citations and fines immediately. And uh, so it, uh, it behooves you to be aware of this kind of stuff that's going on. Next here, HTC posts some very nice Q1 earnings in their latest report. Uh, their Q1 2008 report uh, announced that they earned just over a billion dollars, 1.08 to be exact, in the first quarter of this year, which is a 38.6% increase over the same period last year. Uh, however, this is a decline of 16.2% from the fourth quarter of 2007. And uh, that itself is, I think, just kind of a, an indication of the wireless market in general and for a, a company like HTC who hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot recently. They're a very good uh, ma- handset maker and obviously the Tilt was a great device, their, uh, their OEM version, the Titan 2, of course. And, you know, we heard just recently about, we talked last week, the Touch Dual uh, coming out for them in an unlocked version here in the U.S., but not nearly as much as they've had in the past. So some some strong uh, sales, of course. I know a lot of people that have purchased HTC OEM devices, but not as good as what they they saw in uh, uh, the last quarter. So, well, you know, and and I think maybe they're focusing a little bit more on quality than quantity is what it, it 
to me, it appears like. It seems like their phones are, are built better and more stable than they were in the, the, the few years past. I think you're right, because I think of, of my first um, HTC manufactured device, which was the, um, oh, of course, I can't remember the HTC name of it now, but it was the same as the uh, the, the K-Jam and uh, the iMate K-Jam, and it was the, the Q-Tech uh, 9100, the Wizard, the HTC Wizard. And my quality, I felt the quality of it was was very so-so, and, and I wasn't... Um, it worked well, uh, and, and it was fun, but and it was unique and different, but it wasn't uh, as great as I think some of what they're coming out now with. I think you're absolutely right on that one. So anyway, nonetheless, uh, still seeing some some great earnings. A billion dollars is you know nothing to shake a stick at. I think a lot of people are, are looking at that and, and still happy with it. So uh, way to go, HTC. Next here, a new Motorola chairman has been named. It's an ex-AT&T uh, executive. And this particular person, uh, his name is um, Dorman, and he will be in a non-executive position. And this position is chairman uh, of the board and will be taking over for Ed Zander when he retires on May 5th at the company's annual meeting. And uh, this this gentleman is currently uh, working with, uh, or excuse me, has worked in the past with uh, Sprint, Pacific Bell, SBC, um, and uh, Concert, which was a global venture between AT&T and British Telecom. And uh, he became AT&T's president in December of 2000 and uh, worked with them and, uh, until November of 2005. So uh, look for Dorman to be taking hold of uh, the board of Motorola in early May. Carphone Warehouse, for the folks that are familiar with with that uh, company from the UK, is coming here to the US. And they've announced that they're going to be doing two different things, first of which is standalone uh, sales uh, in different shopping centers or mall venues, and then uh, store-within-store type kiosks in Best Buy retail stores. And Carphone Warehouse, is uh, the name is a little bit deceiving because it's not a car phone store. It uh, is a cell phone uh, retailer. And not only are they... Uh, a retailer of cell phones. They are the number one retailer of mobile phones in the UK. So it'll be great to have them come over here. I know they've done a lot as far as is advertising and whatnot. And I think the majority of people who are listening to us from overseas are very familiar with them. So it'll be neat to see what they come through with. And if they do kind of the, the similar type uh, reseller type thing that the, that the others here in the US do, or if they're going to take a different focus on different things like unlocked devices and accessories and whatnot but uh, carphone warehouse you'll see them here in the u.s soon until i read that story i forgot that we even used to call them carphones yeah it's uh it's kind of uh, ironic that after what 20 years we've come to from you know a, a situation where everybody who was using a phone mobily pretty much was using this device that had uh, had to be installed in your vehicle because you know at the time they 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 just didn't really cut it on a mobile basis, but uh, yeah, yeah, you had phones. to because you had to have the three watts of power to have a connection because the towers are so far few in between. You had to have a big, you know, big aerial and uh, lots of power. Yeah, and if you didn't, you were uh, you're kind of out of luck with either the uh, the coverage that you received because the power wasn't strong enough, uh, or your battery life. I remember some of the those first phones. It was just you know like. Four hours minutes. of standby time. Yeah, twenty, 20 minutes, minutes of talk, talk time, time. and you're, that's it. <laughs> yep, absolutely. 
All right. Uh, we talked about Docomo at the beginning, and uh, we're going to talk about him here at the end of the news. And and this story is is actually kind of funny. This is um, a, a story from the the shores of Japan, and the customers that are using the Docomo service there are finding themselves uh, with some pretty high bills, and that's because uh, 33 miles away from the South Korean uh, shores are cell phone towers that their phones are roaming on. And apparently, Docomo is reporting that 38 different models of phones are reporting this problem, where the handset is roaming on the South Korean networks, and their subscribers are, of course, then getting charged for services used on those networks. So what they're going to need to do is uh, get these subscribers uh, configuring their phones so it's using kind of a a, a home network-only type situation and not roaming on these because... I can imagine this is a um, can be an issue for people that live near the Canadian or Mexican borders here in the U.S. But you probably are well aware of this as an issue, whereas these people are, you know, 33 miles away from Korea, you know, not expecting to have their phone, you know, when there's a tower closer, you know, probably closer than a mile from their home, and they're talking on a phone and they're on a Korean network. That being said, I would hope that someone would um, that they're going to help them out and make it uh, make it easy to use. And, and nonetheless, doesn't a phone, if you're roaming on a network other than your own, show up as the network um, on as the uh, the ID on the screen? A lot of cases, I know uh, it'll uh, specifically on like a Sprint phone, Joey, it'll show up as at least that you're roaming. But I guess people don't always pay attention to that, you know? Yeah, Mickey on Sprint, I just got a little triangle that showed up that. Uh... Uh, let me know I was roaming, and and I did not know what that uh, symbol meant. So I did get some uh, roaming fees, unfortunately, because uh, Sprint decided to make uh, roaming automatic and Call Guard turned off by default. So it's probably Ooh. more of a default setting on their phones in this case. Interesting. I would never have guessed that that was on by default. That's or off as it is by default. Mm-hmm. That's a it's a little scary. Just keep in keep in mind if you're looking at your phone and you see something different on there that you you don't normally see. Keep in mind that that may be a roaming symbol. Um, triangle, a big R, I think, is in a lot of cases. Um, it's a bigger deal for the CDMA carriers than on GSM because GSM, in um, at least in the U.S., is pretty much uh, your phone works or it doesn't unless you're on a really old plan. So, um, but for the CDMA guys, yeah, you got to keep that in mind that that it just uh, you could be roaming and and not even know it because the phone just works, which is kind of the goal, but unfortunately it can rack you up some charges. All right. A couple of devices here. We talked about the instinct last week, and this is Samsung's iPhone competitor. That's going to be available on the sprint network. And what they've announced this past week is the licensing of a visual voicemail system. And this is not all that different than the iPhone's visual voicemail system. And the service is provided by a, uh, a company called Klausner. And Klausner sued Apple over the visual voicemail feature because it claims that it violated two of the patents that they had on this particular system. So what, uh, what this means is that the people uh, who are using the iPhone who enjoy having this visual voicemail are not going to be the only ones that are going to have it once the instinct comes out. So that's pretty neat to see that that's not going to be an iPhone-only feature. Next in uh, the device side, the Verizon XV6900, a.k.a. the HTC Touch, 
has had a date put to its availability, and that is the Business to Business channels available this coming Wednesday, April 16th, and in retail stores April 30th. So if you're on Verizon, you want to pick yourself up a touch, you only have a couple more days and or weeks to wait depending on how you're going to get it. And then last on the devices, the Nokia Tube. The Tube is uh, the code name of a S60 device that looks to have a 3 to 3.5 inch screen with a 16 to 9 aspect ratio and a pretty decent camera on it. Uh, It's said to have a GSM radio with HSDPA built in uh, with Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and a stylus uh, GPS as well. Uh, looks like no multi-touch on this, but there is going to be some tactile feedback similar to some of the other devices that we see out there. And uh, you can read a little bit more about this one over at Symbian Freak. And this is uh, very much uh, the same as what I think the Instinct is going to do. And that's just going to be kind of something different that for those that want to have a touchscreen device can use besides the iPhone. And from the picture there, it looks like it's a very small device. So, it, it, you know, for the Nokia fans and the Symbian fans there, it's going to probably be a, a very popular device. If we know anything about, about uh, Symbian and Nokia, they're going to put a great camera in it, and it's going to have great integration with all of its the, uh, the different features that the S60 series software does. So you're going to be able to load any of that other third-party stuff on there, and of course, going to have some, some probably decent-sized memory in there too, so you can listen to all your music and watch your videos and whatnot. So the alternative to the folks who don't want to jump on the Apple bandwagon. All right, software side, we've got uh, a great uh, download available if you're using a Windows mobile device, and that is Windows Live is now available for Windows Mobile 6 devices, and it is uh, found at WL, for Windows Live, of course, .windowsmobile.com, and that will pull up on your screen uh, a place to download the, uh, the version of Windows Live, and so you're wondering, what does that give you? Well, it gives you push access to your Hotmail, and as well as Windows Live contact synchronization. So I know a lot of people out there use Hotmail and are looking for a way to get it on their Windows device. So you can now do it in a push fun- uh, fashion. I have actually set this up and it works really good. I did not choose the contact synchronization. We've actually got a comment about this one later uh, on why you may want to hold off on that. But the push email does work very well for Hotmail. And uh, Windows Mobile Live, I did uh, download that on your recommendation, Mickey, for GPS support on a uh, Q9C, I believe, on Sprint. And uh, it works beautifully as far as navigation goes. Uh, the users that I have, they they loved it because it did give them turn-by-turn uh, navigation. So, And it's a great price, uh, free. But free. unfortunately, uh, upon clicking that link, um, Microsoft is reporting that the downloads are uh, temporarily suspended until April 21st. Oh, interesting. Why do you suppose that would be? I, I wonder have if, no clue. Ah, this is this software is going to uh, probably join the black market here if I had to, or at least the gray market for the folks that want to have it. Um, because there's a ton of cab files, I'm sure, that are already been out there. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Wow, did not see that until you just note, uh, pointed that out, because I just see that as well here. Okay, uh, let's see. Jot for BlackBerry. We talked about Jot uh, a, a few months back, and this is a service for those that want to have voice uh, integrated uh, access to different things on their device. So, for example, you want to send a, a post up to your blog, your WordPress blog or something, and you want to be able to do it without having to type it out. You can call the Jot service and uh, just 
speak commands and it will copy down um, and translate your words into the text and input it onto your site. You can also do uh, sending memos to yourself or to others and all sorts of different things. Well, Jot has now come out with a BlackBerry client and this allows you to reply to your emails with your voice. Go to jot.com slash BB for BlackBerry and uh, you download the, the file, install it, and then to use it, uh, you simply, uh, it, it, it looks like it adds in functionality into the menu system. And so they're saying it's three to five times faster to speak the reply of your email than actually replying to it uh, with the keyboard of it. So this is uh, something very unique and very different. I have not had a chance to test this one out yet on the Pearl, but I'm going to take a look at it, I think, here, because I, I'm intrigued by it. I like some of these voice type applications. Uh, I guarantee it's not going to be foolproof. It's not going to be perfect by any means yet. It's going to still cause certain things to happen when you uh, you say a word and it thinks you're saying another word. So it's going to be, I'm, I'm sure, not quite there, but for those who want an app, uh, a way to get your voice in, uh, in a, or use your voice to reply to emails on a BlackBerry, this is a good way to do it. That's a good safety feature if you're driving. Um, I, I'm sure most people would kind of you know, understand what you're talking about, uh, even if there are some uh, mistyped words in there. And, um, you know, I know as the text message enforcement probably steps up across the nation uh, here in the U.S. that uh, services like this will become uh, more and more handy for uh, a lot of people. Yep. And um, so check out this link. It's it's directly to the jot.com site, and, and it looks to be pretty good uh, as far as uh, instructions and uh, questions about support because it looks like there are a lot of frequently asked questions that people have. It looks like it works on any of the the models that have a trackball on it. So that would be the 8800, 8300, and 8100 series devices. And uh, last here on the software side, the Android uh, software platform is going to be coming to us uh, fairly soon, and we're going to see it on just a few devices to start with. But uh, the XDA developers community has come out with an Android, um, looks like a ROM that you can stick on your HTC Titan 2 for a real uh, live version of Google's Android. And um, Joey, this looks pretty intriguing. And at the very least, it reminds me, of course, a lot of what you would use uh, if you were to install uh, any sort of Linux type software on, on a desktop, because it's it, it's very straightforward, very much um, icon based, where it, it just seems to make a lot of sense, whether it's, you know, you click on, um, you know, the calculator for to get on a calculator, or, um, you know, a little address book for address. So looks pretty good here. And uh, you can check it out over at the XDA, XDA developer site if you've got uh, a Titan 2 that you want to throw this on and check it out. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I think it's, um, I think it's good to see that some people that are out there just kind of making this stuff up, you know, kind of neat. Oh, it is. And it's, it's more and more exciting to uh, get the get one step closer to uh, seeing the Android in action. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we're all waiting for the uh, the HTC device that we announced a couple weeks ago to come out and and be running full fledged. Uh, uh, looks like here in the forum that uh, not all the features are good to go as far as this particular uh, ROM version, but it sounds like it's definitely a, a strong proof of concept. And um, if you got a Titan II laying around that you want to play with, uh, here's a here's something fun to do. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, questions and comments. We've got a lot of them today, so we're gonna we're gonna get them started here with a voicemail from Kettle. 
Hi, Mickey and Joe. This is uh, Ketil from Norway calling again. Uh, first of all, uh, I must say I, I have downloaded all your previous shows and listened to them all, and uh, it's, it has been uh, really interesting. Um, I have a couple of questions for you guys. Uh, first of all, you, Mickey, have been talking a lot about the sling box, but I really don't understand what that is. So what is a sling box, and what is it used for? Uh, secondly, um, uh, I have an HTC S710 running uh, Windows Mobile 6, and I wonder if that can be upgraded to uh, 6.1. And uh, what is new in 6.1? Are, are there any new features, uh, functions, stuff like that? Uh, my third question is... Um, do any of you know of any program that can edit AMR files, um, which is used for use on mobile phones? Uh, I'm looking for a program to edit sound recordings made on the uh, on the phone. Uh, do you know of any such programs, uh, either for the phone itself or the computer? Um, and I have also a question about push to talk because uh, we have two networks uh, here in Norway and uh, none of them has uh, support for push to talk so I wonder if uh, I can use that because I have several phones with push to talk and uh, I'm wondering if I can use that um, in some some other ways I mean uh, if I can use it through any other servers or anything like that uh, so, that was my questions. Uh, looking forward to another great show. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for uh, calling in, Ketil. Great to hear from you. Uh, once again here, four questions that you've got. First one, what is a sling box? Well, uh, we've, I've talked about it quite a bit on the past, uh, in the past, and I think I've explained it before, but let me explain it again here. It is a, a TV streaming device that allows you to view uh, either your cable or satellite or TiVo or whatever type of uh, box you've got in your house from any internet-enabled computer uh, with a broadband connection. It uh, is a box that I've actually got two of them. I've got one here in my house and one up in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and because I've got uh, some sporting events that I like to watch. But this device or this box... Uh, connects in with my DVR that I have and allows me to, whether I'm across the house in a different room, watch what's on that particular box. Uh, or it uh, connects also up to, obviously, my my router um, and uh, then through my internet connection. So it gives me the ability to watch TV from essentially anywhere that I've got an internet connection. There are clients uh, called the uh, Sling Player for any sort of PC or Mac uh, computer, as well as Windows and Palm devices. Now, the w Sling Player is currently in development for the BlackBerry operating system, so we will be able to see that hopefully within uh, sometime this year, 2008. And uh, who knows, we may even see a, uh, an iPhone client come out with that one too, so... Uh, secondly, you asked, has the HTC S720 with Windows, or you have the uh, HTC S720 with Windows Mobile 6, and you wonder if it can be upgraded to 6.1, and uh, what are the features and functionality within 6.1? You know, we didn't really talk a whole lot about that last time. Um, sorry, the, the 710 is the device. Um, 
Anyway, uh, so the um, the upgrade process is only going to uh, work if this uh, the software is created by HTC and or the uh, if you've got a, a phone that's got the provider software on it. If if they uh, will put out an upgrade for it, that's how that works. It's not just a uh, simply uh, an operating system that you can download and install um, just for any device. There's there's certain restrictions on that. No, yeah, it'll definitely come from either either the carrier or HTC uh, directly, and you will, yeah, you will not just there just won't be a patch that uh, that will be provided on Microsoft's site to upgrade your OS. Yeah. All right, so let's let's kind of run through a list here of some of the changes that they're going to be making to it. Uh, the biggest thing that you're going to see is some some home screen changes where it allows for clicking back and forth through some of the the more common tasks that are uh, that you would want to do with your device, whether it's the address book, text messages. Um, this really uh, kind of does a lot for the smartphone user. So for the, the person that doesn't want to have to use this trackball to scroll up and, and you know click on the start menu and then scroll all the way down, you're going to be able to use the D-pad to scroll back and forth. Um, for the smartphone also, it adds copy and paste um, changes, uh, like I said, to the home screen. Uh, you can change the master security code with this. Some text input settings. Uh, recent programs menu and pressing the start menu. Threaded SMS, um, that's going to be something for those that are familiar with the threaded SMS uh, that the, the trio has that uh, has stuck into their operating system. Uh, when you compose an email or SMS, there's going to be, uh, you're going to be able to start typing the name of the contact in the to field and the contacts will finally pop up uh, like on Windows Mobile Professional. So that's a smartphone feature as well. So um, these things are really not all that exciting, Joey. I mean, it's very much a point release. What do, you, what do you think? No, yeah, they're just minor upgrades. So if you do not get uh, get it on your device, and, and the S710, the, the Vox is not listed as far as the prim, preliminary um, phones that will get the 6.1 treatment from HTC. So even in this case, you know, I, I don't think you're going to miss out on that many features. Uh, one thing that I think is a great feature is the threaded MS, SMS. Uh, I have that on my Centro, and that is actually a very uh, nice way to text message. I, I guess I really didn't text message much before since my other phone didn't support it. But it's um, that's about the only thing to me that looks like it's uh, an upgrade, and, and that is so minor. Yeah, they're, they're going to be change, a few changes to the Internet Explorer as well. They're going to be offering some zooming um, and some copy-paste functionality in there for the smartphone, but but very little. I'm going to throw a link in here so that you can check it out um, if you have uh, if you want to read more about that, but uh, we want to move on here. Uh, your next question, of course, was editing AMR sound recording files, and I've got a link here. Uh, to a, a piece of software called Mobile AMR Converter. And this looks like you're giving gives you the ability to convert AMR files and also edit them as well. Uh, check that one out. Hopefully that will help you. This is on the computer side of things. Um, it's not a um, it's not a phone side editor. So, um, but check that one out and uh, I'll get the link for that as well. And then finally, push to talk. Um, none of the Norway networks have that support. So, I don't believe you're going to be able to use it because there's not going to be a way for you to interact through your carrier's network with the other phones that may have pushed to talk uh, with them. It's not as simple as just pushing a um, a, a push to talk uh, product of uh, uh, 
what am I trying to say? The push to talk data over the network to be picked up by another phone. There are certain um, pieces of equipment on the network that are routing all this traffic and getting it from point A to point B. So I don't think you're going to be able to do it. Um, if I'm wrong on that one, someone please correct me. But the way that push to talk works is it gets implemented with a network itself. So a phone is not like it. For example, I can't take my Pearl here that's got a push to talk button on it. Take it over to AT or to T-Mobile. It's 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 just not going to work right. So yeah, and and you definitely have to basically pay for it and have a plan uh, on top of all that as well. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, don't think that's going to work for you. But anyway, thanks for uh, calling in, Kettle. Appreciate some good some good questions in there. Next one here is a question from Phil. He says, "Hey guys, great show. Listen all the time. Have a question regarding SIM cards. I have an AT and T Tilt. Love it. I'm thinking about getting an iPhone when Apple comes out with a 3G version later this quarter. If I get the iPhone, will I be able to use the SIM card in the iPhone on my Tilt? I want to be able to use both phones with one SIM card. Thanks in advance for all your help." Uh, Phil. Okay. Uh, easy uh, question, um, or excuse me, easy answer to this question. And that is, yes, you uh, will be able to take your SIM card from the iPhone and uh, it's located on the top of the phone and you use, uh, of all things, a paperclip to pop it out. And you can take that and put it into any other device that you want and use the data on it with the exception of the BlackBerry. BlackBerry does special provisioning. And so if you want to use it with that, you've got to have the BlackBerry uh, service plan uh, set up on your account. That being said, the one thing that you will notice, and those that have done this will will probably confirm with me on this, is that when you put um, when you get a voicemail and you've got an iPhone plan and you're using the uh, SIM card in a non iPhone, you're going to get a text message that's got all sorts of different characters and um, garbage in it that makes absolutely no sense, and that is because the way the iPhone's visual voicemail system works. It takes the the um, the, te- the voicemail itself and sends it to the phone, and so the phone then gets this data and uses that data to play back um, the voicemail to the the person uh, on the phone. So you don't actually have to call in. So that's going to be the only difference. But other than that, you should be able to do that with no problems. Question from Patrick. He says, Mickey and Joey, I've been listening since the beginning. You guys feed me all the industry info for my job. Um, I'm a sales manager for US Cellular. I recently got the opportunity to try out the HTC 6800 from my company, but I want to use the Google Maps and I can't seem to get the GPS to work. I have the E911 GPS activated on my device. Shouldn't that be good enough? I know the 6800 is a GPS equipped. Isn't that what it needs? If this isn't going to work, what else can I use for live GPS and active turn-by-turn navigation, Patrick. Well, Patrick, um, got a, an answer for you here, but I think Joey wants to interject here something real quick. I do want to interject something about AGPS. AGPS is, is not a GPS signal um, as you'd normally uh, think of a GPS signal. It doesn't have you know the standard location uh, tracking information basic, you know, from your device itself. It doesn't have an antenna in it that's picking up the satellite signals. Uh, from the GPS. EGPS is using the cell phone towers and triangulation and the processing power for that is not on your phone. It actually has to come from the carrier itself. So um, when you have that location uh, E911 uh, uh, ability on your phone, it does not mean you have full-fledged GPS on your device. Okay. All right. Well, that's very... Necessarily. That's very good to know and, um, and duly noted here. Um, 
what I'm going to add here is is a link, and this is from PhoneNews.com, and it's a story about how to add GPS to the HTC Mogul 6800, like you're talking about, or um, the Titan device. Now, uh, keep in mind that uh, since this article was written, the Mogul has received um, the activation of the GPS chip within uh, the device. So if you are out there and you're using the Mogul on the Sprint network, you don't need to do this. All you need to do is go in and download the update for your device, and that will activate the GPS. Now, what this does is it's a three-step process. And um, first, what you get, you have to do um, is you have to download um, this uh, this unlocker, and this will unlock the device so it's, it supports unsupported firmware flashes. Uh, secondly, you update the software to the device, and uh, that will allow it to listen for GPS commands, and then update the baseband radio firmware, and that enables the GPS. And this is all spelled out here in this link, and uh, we don't unfortunately have the time to go through step-by-step how to do it, but this is the way that you're going to do it. And to answer the question, what you have right now, unfortunately, no, is not enough to make um, the phone receive GPS signals, and thus the reason that uh, Google Maps is not working for you. So by doing this, though, you should be able to get it working with no problems. Yeah, once once you get that support uh, in there, uh, it should work fine. Uh, and also, as I kind of mentioned earlier, the Windows Live uh, mapping program actually does give you turn-by-turn directions uh, for free. So mm-hmm. uh, you may want to check that one out uh, after you get this uh, activated. Of course, the caveat is as long as you have a cellular signal, because otherwise it's turning you through a base of white. <laughs> There's no underlying maps on it because it can't pull anything from the network. But nonetheless, exactly. yeah, that's a great one for turn-by-turn when you're within the city. All right, next is a comment from Rami. And Rami says, hey guys, I'm listening to your podcast right now while studying and someone asked about TV on his phone. You guys mentioned Slingbox and other carrier TV applications, but you failed to mention Orb. This is a great service that I've been using for a while and highly recommend it. You can find it at www.orb.com. Take care, keep it up. Uh, This is a great point, uh, Rami. I certainly appreciate you bringing that up. Um, Orb is actually free as well and it allows you to share everything that you have on your laptop or desktop um, over the air with your phone. Keep in mind, it's basically a um, like a server that's running on your computer. So it has to be kept on all the time to work properly. It will then allow you to stream any video um, or audio or pictures um, out to your phone uh, through the Orb service. It as well allows you, if you have a TV tuner within the computer, to stream your TV out to your phone too. So actually works pretty well. Um, I'm not someone who leaves the desktop on all the time at home. Um, my primary uh, computer is a laptop, so that's not something that I would necessarily need. That, and I've got a Slinkbox, so I wouldn't use it. But if you want to check it out, it, it works um, pretty decently. I have used it in the past and uh, did enjoy it. So thank you, Rami, for that. Comment here from Robert. He says, Mickey, I'm sure you guys get tons of emails a day from fans of your podcast. Um, yes, we do. Thank you, Robert. Um, you're one of them. We certainly appreciate um, your email as well as everyone out there. We get tons of them um, and we, we love it. So keep sending them in. Questions at the cellphonejunkie.com. He says, but I just wanted to let you know that I really enjoy listening. I download your podcast and listen to them um, on the bus to and from work. I just wanted to say, keep up the great work. I will never be a cell phone king like you, but I consider myself to be a bit of a junkie. Currently, I'm holding the HTC Mogul. I've been a Sprint customer for about 10 years. Just had the firmware uh, update done a few weeks ago and love the GPS support. 
Anyways, I follow your podcast and follow you on Twitter. Thanks, Robert from Minneapolis. Well, there you go, Joey. Someone's following me on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash GT2697. (laughs) (laughs) And you can follow me too. All right, question from Ryan. He says, if I already have a tilt with uh, Windows Mobile 6.0, can I get 6.1 as an upgrade or an update? The answer is yes, but not now. They haven't released it yet. You're going to have to wait until AT&T releases the firmware for it. We'll be sure to report on it in the software section of the show once it is released. And I guess this will probably be at least six months out is what my guess would be. You think it's going to be that long? I think... Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe... Well, because 6.1 has been floating around for a while, so yeah. eh, it, it's going to be a few months. I, I don't... Don't hold your breath for it, that's for sure. Yeah, it will be out, and, and, and a lot of the devices, the six Windows Mobile 6 devices that are out there, they've already said that they're going to do it. The Tilt is one of them that they've explicitly mentioned, so you should be good to go, so don't worry about it. Just hang tight. Yep, mogul as well. Mm-hmm, Absolutely. Comment from Jerry. He says, I got something that's right up the cell phone junkies alley. It's a program called Bill Shrink, and I've got a link for you here. It's from the mytodayscreen.com site. And it's a it's an interesting story that talks about um, shrinking your cell phone bill. And it is a um, it's a it, go to well, it, this it's the site that it was on, but it's actually billshrink.com is the site. And what it allows you to do is you tell the service a little bit about um, how you use your cell phone and their quote-unquote technology analyzes every plan in that specific market and it gives you personalized recommendations to see how much money you would save. So um, you get you you start by just providing them this information and there are these little sliders on the screen. So for example, how many anytime minutes do you use for a month? And I'm going to just say I use somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 anytime minutes. How much is your average cell phone bill? And uh, well, since I've got a shared plan and we've both got data plans, it's about $150 a month. And what is your zip code? And I will type in my zip code here and then I hit my get rankings and it goes out to the site and it pulls up and it says, hey, you should get the Verizon Wireless Basic 450 plan. And it really hasn't asked me anything else about what I've done, but it says I can save $1,300 a year. I have no idea how that is. But uh, anyway, it it goes and it tells you the signal strength of Verizon in your area. It's I I don't know that it's really <laughs> it's kind of goofy and you you can actually change other things on it but it's it's something fun to play with. Yeah, for me it just says no expected savings for all of them because I'm on an old uh, retention plan through Sprint. So, uh-huh. tells me uh, I'm uh, pretty much out of luck for getting a better deal. I see. Well, I'm uh, <laughs> I, I'm looking here and I'm I'm playing with these little bars on here and I'm saying I'm a heavy data usage user. Um, where I need unlimited plans, and it comes back with T-Mobile then, and I add text messaging on, and it it does a you know changes up, and it still says T-Mobile. I it basically is gonna it's gonna take a look at at the different service that's available, and and it's kind of neat because it 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 goes and it does pull different information from uh, it's it's kind of the site that the person who is looking for service would kind of go to. But interestingly, it doesn't ask me. Um, anywhere in here about uh, actually most frequently called there we go okay so I will say I will put, I'm gonna put in here a number that supposedly will figure out um, the fact that I've on AT and T and I'm calling people that are on AT and T and it says my number is not valid which I oh yeah I see what I did 
Boy, this is some this is some good podcasting here, Joey. <laughs> and it still says I should be on T-Mobile, even though I have uh, an AT&T number. Oh, well. Anyway, check it out, uh, BillShrink.com. Thanks, Jerry, for that recommendation. Kind of neat. All right, question here from Mark. He says, um, I need some help with a pretty big decision I have to make within the next week. Over the past 45 days, I've had the following Verizon phones. Trio 650 was having problems with calls not getting through on the phone, so I asked my employer for a new phone, which started this cycle. Had the phone for just under two years. Uh, number two, get the, Am- the Samsung i760. Uh, I like the bigger screen and the faster processor. It seemed to work well. Um, oh, where'd it go? Just lost. Okay. Seemed to work well, but saw my buddy's pearl and asked, why am I carrying around this big brick? Besides, I wanted to try out a BlackBerry to see what all the fuss was about. So, BlackBerry Pearl. I love the form factor. Have gotten used to the TrueType multi-tap interface over the last two two to three weeks. However, our Bez also has our police department on it, so it's locked down to to a way that I have to type in a password every time uh, to look at anything on the phone. I can make and receive calls without typing in the password, but simply looking at my calendar or using the voice command requires this to be entered, which can be tricky on the road. So now I have about 10 days to determine if I'm going to be keeping the Pearl or going back to Windows Mobile. Some other things I don't like about the Pearl. No HTML email without a separate program. Very annoying to scroll around uh, uh, those tags. Scrolling through, excuse me, very annoying scrolling through those tags. Uh, My exchange email shows up uh, with my other email accounts. There's a separate area for pop uh, mail accounts, but I haven't figured out how to separate those out from the exchange email. Windows Mobile nicely separates all of these accounts. Uh, Also, I don't seem to have much control over the device, or it isn't laid out as nicely as Windows Mobile's devices. So I think I'm going back to Windows Mobile, and I'm very tempted at the prospect of the Touch, which I understand will be available sometime within the next week. In your opinion, can the Touch work as a business device? Um, I do type emails on my my device, but not all that regularly. I generally just read and respond on the device when necessary. Otherwise, I'll wait until I get back to the office. Um, what have you heard about the SMT 5800? I know it does uh, not all, does not have a touchscreen, um, but it is rather sleek and form factor, which uh, has become important to me carrying around my iPod, keys, and potentially a personal cell phone with me. Um, the Samsung Trio and even the 6800 are just too bulky to fit in the remaining free pocket space. Thanks for the advice. I need to be very careful with this next choice, considering that it will be my second return on the worry-free guarantee, and I think both my employer and Verizon are losing patience. Then he goes on to say, I've become a bit of a cell phone junkie myself. Over the past three years, I've owned all these different devices, um, and I worry that any other Windows Mobile device that I get may have the same problems as the ones I've had in the past, but given the security restrictions from the BlackBerry devices through my employer, I don't feel I have much of a choice as, as I want to keep my sanity. Love the show. Heard you on CNET styled in a while back and have been listening ever since. Keep up the great work. Mark, and Mark is a traffic engineer for the city of Maple Grove, which Joey is in Minnesota as well. I think most of our listeners are up in Minnesota now because we continue to talk about the state, and uh, it's just great. I love hearing all these people from uh, Minnesota and Minneapolis area. It's kind of fun. So, All right, so his question goes back to what should he get. Um, talking about the touch, uh, if you're someone who doesn't respond to a lot of email. I think the touch is a fine choice, um, especially if you're looking for a Windows Mobile 6 device. Um, This is a good option for you. It will be available through the business channels coming up this week. And then of course, um, on the the website at the uh, end of the month. But um, 
look at the looking at the 5800 I, I I'm not going to recommend it to you I don't like the form factor I don't think it's been a good option for a lot of people and um, so I would I would um, encourage you to to stay away from that um, other than that I did not like the the trio that Verizon had but that was my uh, my personal choice and you're you said you don't like the size of that I mean you've tried the um, the i760 on on the Samsung and and you noticed as well it's a very big bulky device and um, so check out the touch I mean as far as Windows mobile phones I think that's probably your best option um, what do you think for him Joey yeah I think so as well um, you know I guess yeah just not having a physical keyboard um, is the biggest limitation of that device um, it, it, it may be a little trickier to, to do text messaging and uh, obviously replying to email so something to watch out for but I don't know if that's going to come fast enough here because this is he, he has uh, one week and that's not going to be out for another couple weeks so you know I don't know maybe out of out of that list of devices the the 6800 is probably going to be the the best bet out of all of those yeah out of the ones um, that are out there because yeah because it it would probably be upgraded with the GPS functionality and uh, the the uh, Windows Mobile 6.1, but um, yeah, I'd, I guess maybe uh, as far as pocket space goes, my wife uses a um, a, uh, a holster and a case from Cedio. Uh, uh, what? How do you say their name? Cedio. Cedio. S E D I O. Right. Cedio. Cedio. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, a very good uh, uh, case and clip combination to put it on your belt um, to keep the phone protected. Mm-hmm. Um, while if it's not in your pocket. So that would be the only thing I'd recommend, I guess, in that case. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would look at the curve, too. If you want to stay with the BlackBerry, you're going to get the curve coming out in the next couple of months. But you're in that 30-day period. So if, if you can get it, if you can get the, um, if you can get the touch through your channels before your, your 30 days is up, you, you may want to do that. Um, it may be a good option for you. Just keep in mind, you're not going to be able to use that physical keyboard, which... I wouldn't want, but that's a personal choice. Yeah, and I suppose if you can get it and you don't like it, you could always sell it uh, outright on eBay because it will be a brand new phone. Yes, and um, it'll be uh, you know it'll go for a premium on eBay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it certainly will right away. That's that's true. All right, let's move on here. Comment from Harry. He says, my SPB phone sweet trial expired yesterday. Um, however, I did find Phone Alarm from PocketMax.com and installed the light version. I think this is more what I had in mind for setting profiles on my tilt. Um, if they asked me, I would tell you they could make it even lighter because this thing exposes way too many options to me. Uh, it means... Uh, uh, when you want to change a profile, you need to wade through a ton of settings. But I guess most Windows Mobile users enjoy how the program exposes the innards of your device. Another observation, the icons it puts on the Today screen are not very attractive. I think they allow you to change the skins, though. So anyway, if someone's looking for some sort of profile setting manager, um, just a recommendation from Harry. He's, uh, he's switched over from the SPB phone suite trial over to the uh, phone alarm from Pocket Max. Next comment from uh, Quint. He says, um, I just wanted to thank you for answering my questions a few shows back regarding my phone dilemma. I upgraded the BlackBerry Pearl 8130 on, or upgraded to the BlackBerry Pearl 8130 on Verizon two weeks ago. I am mostly pleased with the device. The phone is less glitchy than my Motorola Q um, original that I owned. The only downside is the phone is locked down more than I'd like it to be in terms of Bluetooth and the stock ringers are too low for me. I found the Bluetooth and the, um, 
excuse me, I found the Motorola Classic Siren and, and Soaring High Tones posted in the forum, and the volume problem is fixed for now. I know the Bluetooth uh, difficulty going into this purchase, but I didn't realize how much I appreciated it until now. Also, my Bluetooth headset doesn't have as much range as before when I was uh, paired with the Motorola Q and my V195. Also, the signal is a little lower than my Q, but it hasn't resulted in any dropped calls. Keep in mind, um, before we uh, continue on with this, that, that that lower signal, I think, too, is just the perception of the bars. And remember, bars aren't exactly um, necessarily a, a, an accurate description of the signal that you're receiving. So if you haven't dropped any calls, you should be okay with the RF that you're getting on that device. So, okay. Anyway, he says, also, my data fee has decreased, so I've decided to add some extra minutes for now. The extra $12 goes a long way. It also helps that I was able to get the phone at a $50, uh, for $50 because of my employment and promotional discounts. I heard you mention your Facebook group a while back. Initially, I was scared of these types of sites, but now I have to thank you for changing my mind about it. I have found people I haven't seen in ages. Uh, I am still hesitant about contacting the folks or uh, talking to strangers, but for now, my heart is warming to the idea. Okay, so next one here is a comment from Jared. He says, Mickey, I wanted to share my recent experience with AT&T, and it may be a buyer's beware to current subscribers. Here is what happened in my case. I went to an AT&T store to check how much my bill was. The rep told me, and I left. Ten minutes later, I, I have an email at, at work, uh, or on my work-issued Verizon Wireless Pearl, and it is my singular service summary. It just states, click here to view the summary, etc. Uh, what I learned shortly after was, if you get this email, it is because a change has been made to your account. In my case, the rep, without my authorization, had removed the BlackBerry package on my wife's account and then re-added it. This caused her BlackBerry for three hours to stop sending and receiving email, and I I was unable to BlackBerry message her due to the fact no one knew her BlackBerry account had been modified. We finally had to communicate via voice, which was extremely inconvenient at that time. Once she rebooted, her phone blew up with BlackBerry messages and email. I called customer service to see what was going on with her phone. The rep basically said, well, I see a note on your account saying that you were into the store complaining that the internet was not working. I told them no, and I wanted to know. I just asked how much my bill was. He said that I was complaining about my BlackBerry. I explained uh, I have a Verizon Wireless Pearl issued by my employer, and I intentionally shut um, off the data plan on that line because of it. Uh, to make a long story short, a manager from the store called me to apologize. I, uh, I, tell, I told him I wanted my contract ended because the terms and conditions were violated, and I felt I should be let out. Um, he, he did not help me and put a note on my account saying he has no reason um, to not believe his employee and that I am a liar. Now, now no one would help me and the most customer service um, would do was offer me a $25 bill credit. It gets better. My wife uses MMS for work-related things. The rep had actually removed the BlackBerry messaging bundle and re-added the straight BlackBerry plan. So the next month, a huge bill for prorated text and then pay-per-messaging MMS shows up. Um, no one would actually take me seriously until I discovered the About Us page at AT&T. There's a place where you can email Ralph De La Vega. I cut and pasted my email that I sent to customer service and the district managers to AT&T. Someone called me back from his office the next 
next morning, and my contract was ended with no early termination fee. So, to summarize, if you ever have an unresolved issue, try emailing Ralph De La Vega, and if you ever get the email uh, talking about the singular customer service summary, find out what has changed, because something has definitely changed since um, you've got that email. Joey, what a story that is. It's a it's a crazy story, and I, you know, unfortunately, I bet you this happens a lot more than uh, than uh, we hear about. Um, especially because I know you get in the heat of it, you're frustrated, you, you get it, you, you try to get it resolved, and once it's resolved, you don't even want to think about that problem ever again because it is it's horrible dealing with this because you as a consumer have absolutely zero leverage. You have nobody that gives uh, uh, any. They they don't care about you in the least. And then you walk into the store asking about your bill and you get some uh, greedy salesperson deciding to, to muck with your plan because either they don't know what they're doing and get you mixed up with somebody else who was in there or they wanted to get a commission or something and decide to add a BlackBerry plan to your account and make it look like they uh, get that commission and then mess up your you know contract termination date and all that uh, uh, stuff that goes along with it, including you know missing features on your plan. Um, I know this happens quite a bit with Sprint. If you go in there asking about something, they'll renew your plan, change your deal. You know, you get a whole new contract, you lose all your services and grandfathered stuff you had forever, and they don't. They, they, I mean, they just don't care. Um, and once those plans are gone, you you can't get them back again. So, um, I, I know that's real common out there, and it's 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 great that you were able to get your issue resolved and escalate it to somebody higher up, and that that is actually great news. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you very much uh, again for sending that in because it, it really kind of shows that um, if you've got issues, you know, definitely don't give up and, and, and give in to, to bad customer service because there is a way to get it resolved. That is that is the uh, the truth with it. So, okay, comment here from Harry. Um, he says, I don't know if you've mentioned this on the show in the past, but a friend sent it to me and it is a link to AT&T's website and a, an area code scam going on with area code 809. And it talks about be cautious when responding to emails or phone calls from 809, 284 or 876 area codes. Um, and, and it just kind of goes on to say that these are Dominican Republic area codes, but they're um, so... The problem comes into long distance and um, people returning calls to these particular numbers and those numbers um, or the, 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 the calls made to them, of course, showing up as, as extra charges on the bills. Um, if you believe you have been scammed by one of these numbers, there is a con- contact AT&T link on this site. Um, so some, some good information, um, kind of a public service on this one, Joey. Yeah, this will go for any uh, carrier and even your home phone for that matter. Uh, yeah, just watch out for those particular um, area codes. And and this has been something that's kind of been floating around for, you know, I don't know how many years, you know, 20 some years at least, because um, uh, some Canada uh, area codes look like standard U.S. I've, area codes, but they're not. I've and done it, that. It, it, <laughs> have you? Not yet. Yeah, not knowing. and it, yep. it's... It, it definitely is something to, to watch out for. It's, it's not always, uh, especially if you have international dialing support on your phone. Uh, not every phone comes with that by default. Yeah. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, it's, it's one of those things, you know, just kind of be aware of where you're calling, especially if you don't know the number, because even though you've got unlimited long distance, um, you know, all, all these countries around us show up, or a lot of them show up as you know, ten-digit dialing, and uh, and and so it could definitely come by, come back to bite you at the end of the month. So, 
All right, finally here, comment from Roger. He says, Mickey and Joey, I just wanted to say I love my Motorola Q9M that I got over a month ago, and it works a lot better than my old Motorola Q. I had nothing but problems with it, and the new Q is definitely much better. The old one had me reset every week um, for about six months, and I have not had to reset this one once yet. Um, Another, just a couple of things that I like to do with my Q is listen to the XM radio, watch movies, do email, and... um, Uh, instant message, uh, text message, and Twitter, and of course, listen to all my podcasts, including The Cell Phone Junkie. Uh, Thanks, and love the show. Roger from New York. And uh, Roger's actually said he's going to be taking a trip from uh, New York down to Florida this week. And if anyone wants to follow him, you can do so. Roger Q on Twitter. So, Joey, that wraps it up here. Uh, Long show here, just over an hour and 20 minutes, but uh, lots of great questions from everybody there. Again, if you have any questions or comments for us, give us a call, 206-203-3734, or shoot us an email, questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. And just a reminder, if you want to get in on show number 100, make sure you call and leave us a voicemail too, and uh, we will be sure to integrate you in some way or another into that episode. So, Joey, until next time, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.